everyone. This is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. I am so glad you are back with me this week. We have a returning guest this week, and he's amazing. His name is Tim Barton. He's the president of Wall Builders. So many of you are already familiar with him, and he's been on the podcast before, but it's been quite a while, uh, Tim, since you've been on. We were talking about that before we pushed record, and I think it's been about, I don't know, two years maybe? It, um, it, it's been a long time. It, it feels like uh, just yesterday in some ways, and in some yeah. ways it's like, man, it's been a long time. Right. But it, it, it's so good to be back. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, yeah. It's been long enough that the last time you were on the podcast, uh, you actually, that, that podcast actually turned into a little teeny tiny clip in the movie Schoolhouse Rocked. And so, so you, we'll just call you one of our cast members in the movie. I made it. Yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, we are talking this week about culture and education and what's happening kind of um, in education um, in our, and what's going on. What's going on? What in the world is happening right now? Um, and these are the things that we love to talk about on the podcast. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great online math program, visit ctcmath.com. You can try them out for free, ctcmath.com. Well, Tim, welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. Uh, for those who are not familiar with you, would you introduce yourself and your family and wall builders? What is it that you do? Absolutely. So my name is Tim Barton, and I am the president now of Wall Builders. We are a faith-based nonprofit and in Texas. Uh, we, we really say that our goal, our, our initiative, our mission is to present America's forgotten history and heroes with an emphasis on the religious, the moral, and the constitutional foundation and heritage of the nation. Over the years, God has allowed our family to acquire what, what now is believed to be the largest private collection of original documents from the founding era. We have actual letters and journals from George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, so many cool things. And what we do is we use those original sources to do research and go back and see what, what was really the, the goal of America. Well, when people talk about the American experiment, what did it mean? And in the midst of it now in culture, of course, with some of the accusations coming from the 1619 Project or coming uh, with the, the critical race theory ideology, there's a lot of lies being said about America we're able to go back with original sources and say, actually, here's what actually happened in Jamestown. Here's what actually happened in Plymouth. Here's here's what actually happened through American history or the founding fathers. And, and the vast majority of them came out against slavery, against the institution, certainly against the slave trade early on. And then many of them come out against slavery as individuals and free their slaves and start abolition societies. And we're able to document all of this in the original records that God's allowed us to collect over the years. And, and part of our goal and initiative is to show people, ultimately, as Christians, that when you do things God's way, it's more successful. And when you reject God's standards, you're going to have trouble in life. And we can point to American history as, as prime examples. We can point to early presidents, that when they follow the biblical guidelines laid out, the principles of godliness and righteousness, they, they're they're an entire campaign, right? Their, their presidency, they just did better. And when people rejected those principles, now, by the way, that includes some of those constitutional principles because so much of the foundation of our political philosophy was built on biblical principles, which again, we can document and show. And as I'm saying all this, we have so much information available on our Wall Builders website, wallbuilders.com, uh, because we would encourage everybody listening as, as we make some of these statements today, and especially about the Christian heritage of our nation or the founding fathers, to, to not take our word for it. In fact, don't take anybody's word for it. Go do your own research. We have 
have seen a nation in chaos because we've just been trusting the wrong people for way too long without doing actual research ourselves. And certainly, I think everybody listening to this podcast can appreciate and understand that as we have seen prime examples, even during the COVID pandemic, when we were told so many things that actually many of them turned out a year and a half later that everybody now knows that, hey, some of those things we were told to do were not maybe the most medically sound advice. Maybe right. maybe we should have been questioning some science along the way. But the point is that we have a prime example of saying, instead of just trusting whatever somebody says, maybe we should do some research and see what's there, see what's true. And that's what we try to do with American history is show people a little bit more of the truth of our nation, of our heritage, where we came from. And we use original sources to do that. Yeah, I love that you do that because it's not just, here's what Tim thinks and here's what David Barton thinks. It's like, here are the actual documents showing that this is what our country was founded on. So I want to park there for a minute when it comes to education. And you talked about, you know, the, the resources that you have talk about what the goals were of our nation. When you look at education, what was the goal of education when America was, you know, really being established as a nation what were these parents thinking? What were, what were, you know, what direction did they want to go with their kids? I, I'm sitting in a corner of our museum right now as we're having this conversation. Behind me is part of our education section. And, and, and these are uh, desks behind me from an, an original one-room schoolhouse back in the 1800s. Uh, so many resources from early American education. We have things going all the way back to the very beginning of education in America. And, and that really does go back largely to the Pilgrims when certainly Jamestown founded in 1607 and then Plymouth is not till 1620. But Jamestown, they, they didn't start off with early education. That wasn't part of their goal and initiative. They, they had some different ideas in Jamestown. When the Pilgrims came, they were coming looking for religious liberty, looking for freedom for themselves. And for those right. that remember the Pilgrim story, they had gone to Holland. Uh, they were raising their kids in Holland. And, and they had some freedom there, but not as much freedom as they had hoped initially. And then they saw their kids begin to embrace some of the, the ways of some of the other individuals in Europe and Holland. And they said, that's not how we want our kids to, to grow up. They said, we, we want a different place. We can have the full freedom we want, and we can raise our kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So they come to America. The reason all this context matters is the very first education law passed in America it was passed in 1647. It was passed up in those early New England colonies and, and it was printed in 1650. It was a book called The Code of the 1650s. I actually have that book behind me. I can get it in a minute if we need to. But in this book, it has the very first education law. The law became known as the Old Deluder Satan Act. This is something that people listening, you can look this up later. Uh, you can go read that original law. The reason the law became known as the Old Deluder Satan Act is the law starts off explaining it is the one chief project of that old deluder Satan to keep men from the knowledge of scriptures as in former times. And the law goes on for several pages, but it starts with the premise that the devil's main objective is to keep us, to keep our kids from knowing the knowledge of the word of God. And, and the point they make in the law is if our kids can never read, they're never going to know what the Bible says. And, and, and then they won't be able to, to live godly, to enact righteous policies, to elect godly leaders. We have to make sure they can read so they know what the Bible says so they can live these godly lives. 
That was the beginning of the very first education law in America. And, and this is what birthed schools. And, and you can go forward uh, with that notion, that thought of education in, in, in 1690 is when you have the first textbook that was printed in English in America. It was the New England Primer. And in the New England Primer, it was first printed in 1690. They were using public schools all the way through the early 1900s. This was the primary text that people, students used when they started school. So this was kind of like the first grade textbook. Well, in it, the, the whole thing is religious content, the, the alphabet. The first alphabet's a picture alphabet, but the pictures are, are Bible stories. And, and then the alphabet will have A, and then on the side, it'll have a picture. And then in, in Adam's fall, we send all. And the whole thing are just Bible illustrations. You then come to an alphabet of lessons for youth, and, and they're all Bible verses. It starts off, uh, A, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaven of his mother. B, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. On it goes A through Z, they're all Bible verses. The, the whole thing is religious content. And if someone just picked it up today, they might go, why are they including so much Bible in this first grade <laughs> textbook? And the reason we'd ask that question is because we, we didn't understand why they were doing education in the first place. The reason they started education in America in the first place was to make sure their kids had the knowledge of the Word of God. So as they're even teaching them to read, teaching them the alphabet, they're working to accomplish their purpose of helping their kids learn the knowledge of the Word of God. And, and this was public school, because back then there, there weren't these private schools that we see today, and, and, and even the notion of homeschool. Certainly a lot of kids learned at home, but I want to point out, this was, this is general public education. Everybody in early America was learning the foundation of Christianity because that was the whole point of education, was to make sure kids knew the knowledge of the Word of God, that that was the foundation upon which everything in American education was built. Wow. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. No parent should homeschool alone. You have a God-given calling to bring up your child to love God and to steward His creation. And BJU Press exists to help you be successful in that endeavor. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com or call 1-800-845-5731 to connect with an experienced homeschool consultant. Apologia supports homeschool families with Christ-centered K-12 homeschool curriculum designed to engage your student as they experience the awe and wonder of creation and their creator. Designed by leading scholars with a biblical worldview, Apologia's award-winning curriculum is written in a conversational tone directly to the student to encourage independence. Hands-on activities and experiments help students solidify the concepts they're exploring and build a lifelong love of learning. Visit us at Apologia.com. Before the break, we were talking about how, how education was founded, what the purpose was when our founding fathers were establishing our once great nation. I, you know, I, man, ah, so frustrating. I want to say our great nation and it is still a great nation. I still think we are the greatest nation ever in the history of the world, but there's so much going on now that I, I feel like I'm like, ah, it's not as great as it used to be. And I feel like we're just declining. And so much of that is because of what's happening in the public school institutions. And so how did we go from a system that was that was established to know God. We were teaching kids the word of God through phonics, through everything that they were being taught. And that was the purpose to where we are today, completely flipped upside down. Where did that shift happen and why? You know, I, I think America still is a land of opportunity, even though our greatness has declined. And, and I think a lot of that does correspond with 
when you do things God's way, you enjoy more blessings and benefits right. because that's that's what flows from doing it God's way, right? God's ways work. And because our nation is becoming less godly, we're, we're seeing less greatness in our nation. And it doesn't mean that this isn't still a land of opportunity. And then to your bigger question, how did we get to this place? Because again, going back to early education and, and to even illustrate a little bit more the foundation of Christianity and education, you can go to an 1844 Supreme Court decision. It was Vidal versus Girard's executors. And in this decision, the Supreme Court actually ruled unanimously 8-0 decision that in order for a public school to receive government funding, they would be required to teach the Bible, to promote Christianity, and to allow pastors, gospel ministers on campus to evangelize the students. And if any school said they did not want to do that, they would lose their government funding. Wow. Now, that was 1844, and, and this was still the obvious point of education. We can go even further. When you go to the late 1800s, there were, there were laws that were still being passed in states that were requiring Every, every single school in that state that their students every week had to memorize a chapter of the Bible. And, and in some states, there was, there was different nuance where in Pennsylvania, they said that students would need to memorize, or maybe this was New Jersey. I'm getting confused which state it might've been now, but uh, students had to memorize the passage that the pastor had taught from church the, the preceding Sabbath, they would have to memorize that passage as well as maybe a psalm or something else. But Christianity was always a part of education. And this is the way it was really up until you get to the 1960s, where you have a, a radical Supreme Court and they say that we don't want to have any Bible in school anymore. We don't have any prayer in school anymore. Then you get to the 1970s and, and this same radical court, one of the things that after saying we don't want the Bible in prayer anymore, there's also some interesting correlation where you can study the, the outcome of what was happening in public schools. If you look at the 1950s, the, the top problems identified by teachers in public schools were students talking in class or chewing gum in the hallways. Those were the <laughs> top issues. Public school teachers said, this is the biggest problem we have in school, right? Like wow. that, that's, that's crazy. Well, then you get to the 60s and 70s and the problems they begin to see where they begin to have teen pregnancies. They begin to have sexually transmitted diseases. They begin to have a violent crime. All these issues in public school when like literally just a decade before they had none of those problems, but then you remove God, you remove prayer, you remove the Bible and you begin to see the crumbling of some of the structure in 1971, the same radical Supreme Court that said no prayer, no Bible in schools, they actually had a case, it was Lemon v. Kurtzman. And in this case, they said that if, it was a case that was striking down religious activity in public. And, and they said in this case that if somebody does religious activity in public, unless they can prove that the primary purpose of that activity wasn't religious, then you can't do it. Now that, that seems weird and kind of convoluted. What they're saying is you can't do religious things in public if they're for religious reasons. And, and really, why else would you be doing religious things in public if it's not for religious reasons? So what they're arguing is no religious things in public. That was what they said. And that was the standard from 1971. And from 1971, literally until last year, that was a standard. Wow. Last year, we had a, a case of the Supreme Court. It was the Coach Kennedy decision. Coach Kennedy was a football coach from Bremerton, Washington. Uh, he was a 20-year Marine veteran. And then he went back. He was at a high school. He was a football coach. 
And one of the things he would do after football games, by himself, after the game was over, he would go to the 50-yard line, he would take a knee, and he would pray and thank God for freedom, for students, for safety. And some of the football players took notice that he's going and praying. And they said, Coach, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm going and praying. And they said, well, can we come with you? He said, it's a free country. You can do what you want. So he's not coercing anybody, but— the school found out what he was doing. The school said, you're not allowed to pray in front of students. That's unconstitutional, which of course it's not, but that's what he was told. And he said, I'm not going to stop doing this, right? I, I fought for freedom 20 years in the Marines. I know what freedom is. I have the freedom to do this. They said, no, you don't. They threatened to fire him if he continued. He continued, they fired him. This case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And when the Supreme Court heard this case last summer, they said that Bremerton Washington High School was totally wrong for firing him because of his Christian faith. That's totally unconstitutional. You can't do that, fire someone for their religious convictions. But what they went further to say is the argument that lower courts had used as to why he was wrong and couldn't do this, it was based on the Lemon decision. The Lemon decision, the one that says you can't do religious things in public if they're for religious reasons, they said that has always been a ridiculous standard. It's not constitutional, that there's not precedent for this. And the Supreme Court last summer said that unconditionally is overturned. That is a standard we will no longer use. It no longer applies. Well, there's been more than 7,300 cases where religious freedom was struck down because of the Lemon decision, that, that Lemon ruling. One of the things that, that it led to in 1980, there was a case, Stone v. Graham at the Supreme Court. There was a, a public school in Kentucky that displayed Ten Commandments, and they were told, you're not allowed to display those because that's religion. You can't have religion in public for religious reasons. And the Supreme Court in 1980 upheld that the Ten Commandments couldn't be displayed in schools. And so for the last several decades, the Ten Commandments have been removed from virtually every single school anywhere yeah. in the nation. The great news now is because Lemon's been overturned, there's actually states in Texas. This is something happening right now in Texas. The state legislature has worked to get the Ten Commandments back in schools. They're actually passing a law, passing the Senate, going through the House. We expect the governor to sign this that will require the Ten Commandments to be displayed once again in public schools. And, and the reason this matters, obviously, for, for homeschool individuals, for right the homeschool mom listening, why does this matter? Because one of the things we need to understand is one of the, the things we've done incorrectly, I think, in culture is we have played defense for so long, right? Just saying, hey, leave us alone. Let us raise our kids. We want to we worship and serve God. Just, just stay out of our way. We have just tried to be left alone and, and we've played defense, but we've allowed the other side to advance so much. We have been now given one of the most unique opportunities in American history that there are now opportunities where we can actually go on offense and once again, promote religious freedom, religious morality in the nation. We can once again have prayer back in public schools. We can have prayer at school board meetings. We can have prayer at city council. We, we can have Christmas choirs and carols that sing nothing but Christian carols. Things that we were told for the last literally 50 years we couldn't do because they were religious and you can't have religion in public. We literally can do that now constitutionally upheld by the Supreme Court last summer. And, and this is something as, as we talk about where did schools go wrong? There were lots of ways they went wrong. But we are now in a unique place that we can actually see some level of restoration of these values back into the public arena. And certainly, it, it, it doesn't make me think that public schools now are going to be great. And right, all of us, stop homeschooling, send your kids back to public school. That's crazy. That's not what we're advocating <laughs> at all. Do not do that. <laughs> right? No, that's not what we're advocating. But it's understanding the landscape we're in. And if all we do is continue to play defense, 
and all that happens is the other side continues to play offense, we're, we're not going to advance the ball down the field, and, and, and we're just going to slow what the other team is doing in this regard. If we would go on offense, we can push back in so many ways. And right, maybe it's not for our kids because our kids are homeschooled and they're not going to have this impact. But think about the fact that more than 80% of the nation, their kids go to public school. And if we can make a difference for 80% of the kids in the nation, this nation would be better off. And if our nation's better off, then we're better off. One of the verses that that we all know, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, right? To, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Everybody knows that verse. But if you back up a few verses before that, Jeremiah was writing to the, the Israelites, to the, the Jews that were in captivity. And he said, where, where you're in this land and captives, don't, don't stop living. Don't, don't stop getting married and having kids. He said, in fact, seek the peace and prosperity of the land in which you live. For when it goes well with that land, it will go well with you. And one of the things we have to make sure that we are intentional about is that we don't so disconnect from society that we're not able to help seek the peace and prosperity of the land in which we live. Yeah. Because when it goes better for the land, it goes better for us. We want to make sure that we are paying enough attention that we can stay engaged in this cultural fight as we are working to raise our kids in the yeah. fear and admonition of the Lord, that we can still engage in culture to make this land a better place so that our kids have a better opportunity with a land of more freedom. And as you mentioned, even coming out of last break, a place where maybe we can say that this is the greatest nation again. We can restore some of that greatness because we restore that biblical foundation that helped us be great in the first place. Yeah, woo, good stuff. We are out of time, but we're gonna come back on Wednesday, continue this conversation with Tim Barton. Tim, where can people find out more about you and your ministry? Wallbuilders.com and all over social media. Look for Wallbuilders, but wallbuilders.com is an easy place. All right, we'll put that link in the show notes. You guys, if you've not yet watched Tim and his starring role in Schoolhouse Rocked, <laughs> go to the website, schoolhouserockedmovie.com. Check it out. Watch it with your friends. Watch it with your family. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you back here on Wednesday. Stick around till the end of the show for a preview of what's coming next on the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com slash rocked. This is the culture we are living in. And unfortunately, there are so many Christians who know the truth, but they would rather not ruffle feathers, right? They, they, maybe for some of them, they're like, man, I can't risk it with my job. It's, you know, me providing for my family is too important. The problem is when you have the majority of the nation that's cowering, that they're afraid of being canceled, they're afraid of being fired, they're afraid of offending somebody, right? They're afraid of losing friends or whatever, the backlash is they think. If, if we don't have the courage to stand up for truth, then we will not stop this onslaught of evil, this onslaught of lies, which is what we're seeing happen in our culture and nation. But this is why I think that there's never been a greater time to be a Christian in America than right now, because people are actively looking for truth and they're just, they're, they're not finding it, but this is where there's an opportunity for us.